You're listening to Work Thrive, a podcast for entrepreneurial women redefining the meaning of work. And I'm your host, Katie Glenn. In each episode, you will hear candid conversations with female founders, movement makers, and thought leaders to help you navigate success on your own terms. So let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome, welcome. We are back with another episode. I don't know about you, right? But I feel like the weeks and the days are tumbling. Like December is in a week. How? How sway? Like, how is that? You know? But I really hope that you're all staying safe and sane and getting through this second lockdown. Today in the guest chair, we have Fiona Grayson, founder of She Can, She Did. UK's first and only benefits programme for all female business owners in the UK. In 2017, Fiona left her full-time job with an idea to share the stories behind women-owned businesses. Fed up of the glamorised versions often shared, Fiona was on a mission to share the real behind-the-scenes of the journey. From blogging their stories to podcasting to gathering hundreds of women from across the UK through her midweek mingle event series, Fiona found a sweet spot in supporting and spotlighting the stories of these women-owned businesses. And then the idea kept coming up. Women were experiencing the same things. Female entrepreneurs aren't rewarded and supported enough. And so Fiona set out to create the UK's first benefits programme for women business owners. In this episode, we talk all about the journey the sacrifices she's had to make, and how she's navigated being a business owner in the middle of a pandemic. I hope you enjoy this one. So walk me through the journey of She Can, She Did. So you started it in 2017. Walk me through what inspired you to start it and continuing it three years down the line. Sure. So essentially, I was in a corporate job that I was really proud of. Um, straight out of uni, I worked for a publishing house in the city as a financial conference producer. Got promoted twice when I was there in a quite a short space of time, so your money goes up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that job on paper flew me around the world. It paid me really well for my age. All expenses paid trips. A lot of responsibility from day one. Like the second day of my job when I was 21 my boss said we want to launch a cybersecurity conference in New York off you go and my role was basically to research the market uh, find out what the core challenges were so I'd go off to Canary Wharf I'd be sat down with a C-level suite at the banks and just ask them you know what challenges are you facing etc etc and then it was my job to write the conference programs get the speakers on board and then project manage the team that looked after that conference to make sure we were hitting the targets. So in terms of the sponsorship team, what brands are interested in that market? Um, the ops team that look after the hotels, what kind of hotel would yeah. a senior trader want to go to? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. And then fly out and host it. And for the three and a half years that I was there, which seems so short now looking back, but you just do so much in such a short space of time, don't you? I remember thinking in the last like six to eight months I was there and observing people, you know, 10 years older than me and just thinking like, if I'm not passionate about this job, even though it's amazing, this, the day-to-day reality was like finance. And it was a case of, if I don't walk away from this now, the pay is going to get too good to walk away from. Like, when do you walk away? Because suddenly that safety blanket becomes like 
too tempting, right? Too tempting. You can't, well, you can't walk away from it at that point, can you? Exactly. And like, you know what LinkedIn recruiters are like, they were kind of sending all these other jobs my way, but it was still financed, but more money. Mm-hmm. And I just basically always knew that one day I wanted my own business, but I just thought I would just do what my parents did, which is work their way up in whatever industry and then jump ship when I'm in my fifties or, you know, like they did basically. Yeah. But I'd started to notice more and more women my age, like or in their twenties, launching businesses on social media, predominantly Instagram at the time. But it was the rise of the girl boss movement. And I remember just yeah, seeing <laughs> the glossy, uh, it's great, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, power suits, a lot of selfies, a lot of, you know, just like coffees for lunch, a lot of six figure salary months, all of that. And just thinking mm. like, it's not that easy. Like I, yeah. my parents walked away from their careers when I was 10. So my teenagers were basically spent in a household where, I really saw what went on behind the scenes to launch a small business. They both have small businesses. Dad's retired now. But, Mm. you know, things like we didn't go on holidays because the money wasn't there. If they were poorly, the money dipped that month. And it's just like those sacrifices and none of that comes through. And don't get me wrong, it comes with so much. They were happier than ever. They were at home more. So I had my parents around, Mm. uh, which I'm so grateful for. But all of this like Instagram girl boss stuff, it just didn't highlight it. And I was basically thinking, I'm not happy in this job anymore. I want to launch a business. How the hell are these girls doing it? Because it's not that easy. And I'm sure there's women like me that feel the same. So why don't I just go cold turkey? We can come on to that. But (laughs) treat this like a project, reach out to these women and see if they'll be willing to sit down with me and just have a big old chat and like say it how it is and tell me everything. I'll then share it for women like me that want to launch a business but want to know exactly how. And it literally was like that, Katie. I, I was out in Boston. I remember the day after the conference, checking my emails, an email from the London office came through and I was like, I'm so done. Screenshotted mm. it, sent it to my big sister. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. She replied saying, do you know what? I know you fear you'll figure it out, just quit. And it was literally like that simple. And I remember I wanted, I had a day off before my flight home and I wanted to see Harvard Uni. And I powered power walked through Boston literally from one city to the other across the bridge Mm. into Harvard Uni and I was like walking around in the it was literally tipping down rain that day and literally I'm such a big Lily Zom fan and I remember just thinking like what the hell would our woods do and it was a case of like (laughs) I literally love her and it was literally (laughs) (laughs) no but that's it I feel like when in doubt what would Elle do but it literally came down to like if I can't find what I'm looking for let's just go out there and, and just go and create it yeah and then it was like yeah. that and I got back to the London office on the Monday handed my notice in worked my three months notice was in complete denial mm. just kind of mum was like um so if, you know you're gonna start creating a website and I was just like yeah, yeah, yeah I'll get around to it because I have to have pressure and literally then August came around 7th of August opened my laptop and it was like shit game on let's go <laughs> I've got I've actually got to do something <laughs> yeah literally it's like oh god no paycheck this month like let's go and yeah that was that was the start of- so you literally went cold turkey just quit your job go into it what did you do on day one like on the the very first day of 
shit, I'm, you know, employing myself. What do I do now? What did you actually do? I'm not do? kidding. I, so this notebook here, um, I took, I met the team for, um, in London last week and I'd run out of notebooks and I just picked this one up because it was in, in a drawer and it had some spare pages at the back. Mm-hmm. And literally this notebook is 17th of June, 2017. So this is when yeah. I was still at, at my job. And I'd started to just have like a little think about people that I could interview. And then like, where is it? These are my rules to self. I don't, I've never told anyone by the team this, by the way. So I wrote, this is what I probably did on the first day. Rules to self, make time for inspiration, disciplined approach, create realistic timeframes. So many ideas, but take the time to do each one properly. Ensure I've got credibility, get the facts right relating to the target audience. Graft, work my ass off, learn to be decisive, be strict for decision making. And then the last one is trust my gut instinct. And literally, I think it was a lot of that. And then it was reaching out to women that I'd found in articles. So there was a particular article in Elle that was 23 women under the age of 30 bossing life. And I reached out to those women um, and just Mm -hmm. said, like, do you fancy? Um, Because I I did not have a network then. She she did had no no followers, nothing. Yeah. And I remember just reaching out to them and sending them an email, say, like explaining the premise behind She Can, She Did, i.e. it's here to share the honest realities. And I said, I, I remember saying, I know that the, I know I've got nothing to show for myself right now, but this is what I did in my previous career, et cetera. I promise I'll take this seriously. Um, and thankfully, pretty much all of them, bar a few, you always remember the ones that like support you. You always remember you. the ones that say no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will show you though, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Ironically, one of the PR teams for one of the women I reached out reached out last year and I was like, hmm. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they said yes. And it was literally like that. So I think about two, the first two weeks were creating the website, writing the about, and it's literally a WordPress website. I made a logo in paint that was... Yeah, really funny. <laughs> Remember those. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's it. And then the, about end of August, I had my first interview and it was in a Prosecco van, a horse carriage 10 Prosecco van locally at a local fair. And it was tipping down with rain. It was supposed to be the classics concert in Milton Keynes. And Siobhan, the founder, mm-hmm. had converted this horse truck. And we sat in this little truck turned Prosecco van with a glass of Prosecco, my mic on this tripod, um, sorry, no, my camera on the tripod, my phone, I used to record them on my phone in the middle of us, huddled over. And then literally halfway through that interview, the organisers, because it was tipping it down, like thunder lightning outside, no one had arrived yet. And then halfway through the interview, the um, event organisers came and they were like, "Um, I'm really sorry, we're cancelling the it's too the weather's too bad like the the show's off Mm. and and literally that to me was like welcome to running a business because Siobhan had paid to be there um had like got all the stock ready was ready to go and then it was over and it's sort of like ah that this is what this is is the reality so yeah yeah, that's how it started (laughs) I'm rambling Katie honestly you have to absolutely (laughs) fine like no 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 I will not I will not at all because the reality is we have to be we have to be incredibly honest about what that what the process really is like. And you shared something on Instagram this week, and we'll go into that as well, about the difficulties and the reality of what being an entrepreneur is like. How did you then go from passion project to having this profitable business? Because I'm trying to understand how did you monetize it? Or where did you think, okay, I'm going to monetize this now? What was that yeah. process like? 
So I always say it was like a project at the beginning because it wasn't making money. But my what was very clear to me on day one is that I trust myself to find a way to make this work. And I mm. care about this. And like you're putting your pride on the line. And I wouldn't have done it if I didn't care. And so for 10 months, I earned absolutely nothing. And I'll be completely honest, my savings ran out in about the Christmas time. And I've got a mortgage. It's a it's a Milton Keynes mortgage. It's nothing on a London mortgage. Um, it's not London, but it's no. It's still, still a mortgage. It's still it's still Yeah. And my sister picked up my mortgage for four five months, and I didn't take anything. So in terms of my lifestyle, literally changed overnight when I launched. She can she did, and still to this day, like it's it's the hardest part about this job 100% because of the going from a really decent salary and overnight you just stop I used to go out for take the girls out for dinner and at Christmas time I'd take us all out to the theatre and like just things like that I just Mm. had the money to be able to do it and shopping doesn't bother me like I can give that up but it's things like going to get a coffee is an expensive to me now Yeah. yeah all of that and you just pull back on it so how did I monetize it? So basically, it was very clear, you know, if you are stay consistent, you build a network. And I was very fortunate in the fact that because these interviews, I used to type them up, which took about seven, eight hours each, and type them up. And I used to share two at the beginning each week. So Wednesday night and Sunday night. And I was working, like literally, it was in, travel around the UK, wherever it was, interview, type up, post, interview, type, post. And it was literally seven days a week and I did that for four months which doesn't sound long but I remember my family just being like you cannot keep doing this because that's not sustainable and then I decided to bring my events background in so in the January of 2018 so I started in the August year before I went off and pitched to the likes of HSBC and big corporates about this big she can she did live conference in the style of the old I love it yeah (laughs) (laughs) honestly I look back and I'm like Christ and I remember this is how basic it was I had my little paint logo I made a word document thing I stapled it together and I put it in a plastic wallet and that's what I went to take to HSBC like you yeah. look at anyway. yourself now and think, really, oh, like, honestly, it's who so are you and what are you thinking? <laughs> so embarrassing. The thing is, you've got to start somewhere though, and it's like, I'm yeah. too proud of it, but like, it's just so funny because I genuinely believed in it so much. And I was like, mm. they'll take a chance on this. They really will. Like, I know what I'm yeah. doing. They'll take, but I remember getting the train up to Birmingham and being like, Christ, this is expensive, but you don't say no to a meeting with, you know, the partnerships yeah. director at HSBC. And she sat me down. And she said, love the idea, you know, how many events have you done so far? And I said, oh, no, this will be the first one. And she literally said Mm. to me, she was like, Fee, you need to prove that you can get one bum on a seat first, let alone 200, especially if we're going to give you that much money. So it's a no for now, but let's keep in touch. And it was one of those meetings where you just felt like a massive slap in the face. But even on the train home, in fact, I got the train from Birmingham into London because I was helping out at another event to just like network. And Mm. then London back to Milton Keynes that evening. And I remember just getting home absolutely knackered. But then the next day it was like, okay, she's got a point. And I sat down with my best friend from uni and we literally were like, how can we get this thing off the ground without money? And I just thankfully had interviewed someone that I'm still really good friends with now she introduced me to a venue company 
that ended up giving a venue to me for free because they believed in what I was doing. And then literally everything came from value exchanges for the first midweek mingle. And I put it on sale and it sold out in 48 hours. And that was the first one in London and everything was done on value exchanges. So I interviewed the videographer to get a video. I interviewed the photographer to get the photos Mm. and the goodie bags, like thankfully believed in it, all those brands, same with the gin company. We had, you know, 80, I think it was 80, the first event, 80 women in the room between a certain demographic. Obviously a gin and beauty company is going to be interested in that. And then that's how it started. And then after three sold out London midweek mingles, that's when Zero came on board. But I had to have three under my belt before the sponsorship before. came. And the mid- yeah. yeah. You kind of have, so, you have to prove yourself, don't you? And I think a lot of the times we get, we because in our naivety we're just thinking yeah you know they're gonna go for this this is duh this is an obviously great idea you know who wouldn't literally that Um, but then (laughs) but then you realize you know for a lot of business it's about it's about numbers and when we just start we just think yeah it's a great idea but for them it's about okay what's the execution and what does that report looks like you know yeah massively that's it exactly literally exactly that and then I moved over from the written interviews so the uh, zero sponsorship allowed me to take it around the uk on a road show the mingles that is because i was so adamant i didn't want it to just be london centric and then in january of 2019 i finally switched over from typing the interviews up but that was consistent for 18 months each week and then launched the she can she did podcast which zero sponsored that now that's sponsored by tide but literally i mean when you say sponsorship it's like people just think you've made it because you're sponsored and it's like yeah no well people don't understand how it works don't they and so I think the first thing you said was one the sponsorship element and we'll get into that in a minute but you mentioned that you didn't want it to be mostly just this thing that served London and I think for me I live in Birmingham so you know I'm out I'm not in the London crew and a lot of the times when you build businesses outside of the capital it can feel like yeah you what are you doing you probably need to move to London for you to be able to scale this how did you navigate that because I know for me it can be quite difficult yeah I mean for me when I was working in London I was living in London for about a year and I moved back um so that I could save to buy my flat and I remember all of my old colleagues like we laugh about it now one of my best friends was like you're leaving London like now what are you doing like what and it was like London was a be all and end all Um, and don't get me wrong I love that city but I can be in yeah Yeah. like I could commute in there in half an hour and I um and it's so it's yeah so much cheaper here but I just remember being taking that and being so much happier outside of the city and kind of dabbling and going in when I want to yeah. but I think it was that kind of mindset that made me just think like no like you can you can launch business anywhere like you do not have to be in that city and actually there are like well there's 1.7 million in the UK there's so many women outside of London launching seriously incredible seriously businesses incredible. Yeah. that don't have London overheads so yeah I'm all for it. Yeah. And how did you go about getting that sponsorship with Xerox? Because I I get the impression from all the interviews that I've listened with you that you are the kind of person who goes and get it. So, and I'm the kind of person with the similar stature, just like, I'm just, 
I'll make the decision and I'll deal with the consequences later. I'll ask and then I'll deal with the rejection, you know, <laughs> close master and get fed. So how did you get that sponsorship with Xerox? Yes. So I, LinkedIn is a godsend in my opinion. So I just did a mass, I went on a big stalking spree, found out who the heads <laughs> of marketing were at different companies. I tried to connect with them. Some accepted my LinkedIn request, some didn't. And then from there, uh, moved over to email and just made it very clear what she can, she did stands for, who the demographic is, what I'm asking from them, what they get from she can, she did in return. And it was that simple. And you get so many no's, you get so many unanswered emails. Yeah. But then thank, I think it helps that Zero are based in Milton Keynes as well. And I remember he was like, let's have a phone call. And I remember saying like, oh, um, I'm actually based in Milton Keynes as well. So um, if you're free, I can always come into the office. And he was like, great, come on in. And I had that meeting and off we went. And, and at that point, what were your stats like? How many like Instagram followers do you have? What were the downloads like? Where were you at that point? No downloads. We were still on written interviews and it was probably about 4,000. Mm-hmm. Not, not big at all. And I think this is, a, this is a thing. And this is such an important point, Katie. Like people think you need to have thousands of thousands of Instagram followers to run a business. And it's absolute bullshit. Like yeah. I know so many incredible business owners. They don't. They don't need Instagram. They, their audience isn't on here, and yet they're they're unbelievably successful. And don't get me wrong. Even if you know you do, like she can, she did is something that like yeah, social is important. But you've seen. I could be posting every day, but I'm just useless on there. I don't. I don't particularly enjoy being on there. And I just think like, we just need to get out of this. It's so warped Um, and I could go off on a tangent, but like the social dilemma, if anyone's seen it on Netflix, just confirms everything that we've all been thinking for a while. And it's just so odd. But I think if you are purpose-driven and you are polite, um, and I don't mean like that in an anti-feminist way, because I think some people think there's a narrative that um, politeness is, um, we shouldn't be polite. You shouldn't be be polite. polite. Yeah, but actually, please and thank yous go such Man a is way. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thing is, though, Katie, like your message for this podcast was lovely, and like it's like an immediate, like of course, like yeah, let's do it. But uh, you know, some messages come through, and there's there's, and it's I sound like my dad. I'm literally like I'm such an old man. <laughs> but like, just how do you do this? What's your advice for this? Blah blah blah. Wow. Okay. Um, I want to interview you Mm. and it's kind of like that's not how I operate so going back to the original point I think about 4,000 followers so not big at all but the three sold out events helped Um, and that's what they were interested in because they wanted people in the room and I think they just got bought into what I was trying to do as she can she did yeah, and I think I want to go back to, we can have a rant about that because I think it's so important. Like I I get it all the time, especially when it comes to like mentorship or, you know, someone wants someone wants to be on the podcast. And it's just like, okay, I completely understand that. But there is, there is some element or there is some value in being approachable. There is some value in also like acknowledging that this person doesn't, they don't owe you their time especially if you're asking them to do it for free like I am 100% supportive of you know ask for your worth and you know all that stuff but I also do think that sometimes 
free doesn't necessarily mean, okay, I'm just working for the sake of it. You know, there is networking. You're, sometimes you work for free because there is something that's of value, whether that's networking or experience or something like that. But I think sometimes people take that completely out of context. And there is this, especially I think within this generation, there is this level of entitlement that I'm starting a business, so you need to support me. And it's just like, uh-huh. oh this my is God, not yeah. how this works, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, genuinely, exactly that. I think the entitlement thing is so important and it's, it's just, it gets my back up. Yeah, that, I just don't do rudeness. Like to me, that's an absolute, no, I don't need to help you. But anyone that does it in a nice way and and genuinely has manners and there's like a level I don't know yeah manners to me go such a long way it's respect isn't it it's respect because I think if you as an entrepreneur I think it's like it's a test of leadership and if you want to be taken seriously you have to exude a level of respect for other people the same kind of respect that you would want people to give to you as well as and people people really remember there's that quote isn't there that like you forget what people say but you'll never forget how they make you feel and yeah. it's so it's so true yeah that's all yeah I could yeah, honestly ramble <laughs> <laughs> but so in the early stages of most businesses right I know for me we're at a loss like let's be very like there is you know you may you might be making money but it's a loss or to be honest with you like you said you haven't made anything for was it 10 months like, yeah. how did you navigate those uncertainties? Like, what changes did you have to make in your life outside of just the life, you know, the typical lifestyle changes we think? Like, what are the changes did you have to make and how did you adjust to not having that regular income coming in? I think it goes back to like always kind of remembering why you started it, which is a really cheesy answer, but I really trust myself to make this into the business I want it to be. And I have done since day one. It's kind of like a gut led thing that is a kind of you have your dream you have what you want to fulfill and what like mission you want to achieve or whatever it is and like that just keeps me going so all of that those sacrifices were just a case of like I've got to just do that if that's the end result and it's meant working a lot harder I've always worked hard in my life but like it's so different like the weekends it's um I very so about four months in like I said I dropped Sunday so Sunday is my day off but everything mm. around that is just yeah focused on she can she did and I think it's being quite clear with the people that you love like that's that's that I mean they get it I didn't, that was kind of like an unspoken yeah. conversation but things like you know I see my best friends now probably once every few weeks and like my Sunday is reserved for because it's that one day of just switch off that's my where I want to spend it with the people that I genuinely can be just 100% myself with Mm -hmm. trust them and because of that your circle gets smaller but like it's because you know I I've got that one day a week off which is for a month and then if you want to catch up with people there's suddenly like your diary just gets full and I'm the sort of person where I'm I literally love my own company as well so Mm -hmm. it's just yeah you're everything just it's just all these little sacrifices, but they all kind of just become normal. And like the people that love you and are rooting for you, they just get it. And it's not that anything like big has blown up, but like you just, yeah, just that's just kind of happens. I don't know. It's like this evolution where it's just become normal to work on a Saturday now. It becomes a new norm for you because yeah, that's exactly. the priority for you, isn't it? Yeah. 
And like one day, hopefully it will be a case where I don't have to work the Saturday. I'm quite looking like, I think um, I've kind of given myself the goal that next year, maybe that changes. But right now there's just, I don't, I know there's this whole thing about like glamorizing busy, but my to-do list right now to get to where I want to be just means that there's a lot to do. And there's 70 brands I'm speaking with. There's members, there's podcast sponsorship talks. There's, there's so many different elements. elements. There's a podcast that's going out each week and it's just, yeah, there's a lot on. So yeah, and, and, and that's it. And I think going, you you know, you mentioned the membership. Let's now talk about the journey of this new phase of She Can, She Did. So you've launched a benefits program for female business owners across the UK, yeah. which I think is incredible. I think it's so needed. It's so necessary. I've watched my dad be an entrepreneur my whole life. And I've, and at first I was like, I want nothing to do with that. I want a pension. I want all those things. So it's a no from me. Um, <laughs> so I've seen what the struggle is like as an entrepreneur, as a woman. That is, there are so many different layers to that, that is added on top of that. So walk us through that idea. How did that come about? And how did you go from idea to execution? Yes. So the idea popped into my head in June of 2018 after literally noticing recurring challenges crop up in literally every single interview really and essentially that that ranged across things like lack of pension there you go um Mm. the lack of ongoing security the financial worries all the well-being stuff that comes with it so so that it basically all revolved around like a lack of security when you run a business there's no kind of benefits package that you can fall back on there's no salary that you can regular salary that you fall back on and I that also um, was echoed in my own experience walking away from my old corporate benefits scheme as well and it was in fact I remember needing an eye test and an eye test is literally a tenner Um, it doesn't cost a lot but at the time suddenly 10 pounds was a lot because there's no money coming in and it was literally just a kind of no-brainer. And then the minute the idea popped in there, it was like, okay, this is so needed because it doesn't mm-hmm. exist. And you picked up on a really good point about the fact that being a business owner is tough enough, but being a female business owner and then breaking down even just what yeah. a, like different types of women and the privilege I've got as a white woman. You know, there's just so many yeah. nuances. And so when... I think it was just basically um, over the past two years, just really like you observe it more and more. And I pitched to a VC fund on my 26th birthday on August the 2nd of 2018. So pretty much a year to the day I started and went in literally just, um, it was their office hours. So I had a 10 minute slot and I pitched and they were like, love the idea you know, what's the traction? And I was like, I don't have any. Mm. And it was like that classic, we need to see it up and running. We need to see it. Um, If, you know, if we're going to even have this conversation and again, it's fair enough. And then in September, 2018, I was introduced to an angel investor, uh, worked with them for six weeks. They offered 40, they they offered to invest in it because I needed them. I didn't have money. Like, and you have to build a platform. You need money, even if it's just a little bit. And anyway, they offered to invest and, uh, wanted 40% of the business and I walked away and I remember literally that day because I've been working with them so intensely for six weeks and get my hopes up and you just stop like yeah seeing the like what you want and then yeah that was like a proper 
that was probably one of the lowest days and then basically parked it because I needed money so the midweek mingle road shows took priority the podcast Mm. took the priority just to get some money in and then all of last year in 2019 I kind of was sort of putting feelers out and meeting with the occasional angel investor and all of them were saying we love the idea but you need to prove it and then in January of this year a female investor and I started talking we're talking 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 all looked good and then COVID happened and in the April we were on a zoom call and I you know you just know that you've got you've got a gut feeling it's not going to go your way Mm -hmm. I remember she basically pulled out of those discussions and she was amazing like I've there's no resentment we're in a pandemic I got it and her business took Mm -hmm. a big hit and she said just get it off the ground and it's quite funny really when I say it like that because it reminds me of my sister back in 2017 just being like I know you you'll figure it out and that was basically what the investor said and it was literally that simple and I had about two and a half grand in my bank because I'd cancelled had to cancel the March's midweek mingle roadshow which meant missing out on two sponsorship payments and also refunding two events worth of ticket and it literally has been just a case of reaching out to three women that I've been met along the way they got shares really small percent of shares and we worked out a payback plan to just help me get this thing off the ground and I have just been on hundreds of zoom calls for the past five, six months from pension funds, health insurance funds, business insurance, gym memberships, online fitness, fashion, beauty, parent, well-being, just Mm -hmm. to provide uh, all female business owners with basically all of the health and financial benefits that come hand in hand with a corporate job. So things like your pension, health insurance, and then also a whole host of additional things that go beyond your typical benefits package that rewarding your resilience so just silly things like you know there's boo avenue on on broad which are an underwear brand and like people could be like oh what's that got to do with corporate benefits but to me if you are working your bum off trying to get a business off the ground I think you just have some really nice underwear (laughs) no but that's it but even things like yeah you might need a new bra but that bra is like oh Christ like I can't afford that but if you like discounted offer that the members get they've earned that discount and that they could then feel a tiny bit less guilty for treating themselves instead of spending all their money on their business put that new bra on and feel way more confident go into a pitch or an event and just hold their head that bit higher and in turn it all feeds back to your business if you feel if you feel good in yourself and you feel confident in yourself um, and you are being supported in your health and finance and just lifestyle as well it all feeds back into being a better business better businesswoman yeah and that in turn long term helps level that playing field because there's so many gaps but even you know yesterday I was on the phone to the CEO at Vala Health who are on board and they're now offering all members free health care with Vala Health and it's kind of like there's tangible stuff in there as well and yeah it's just been honestly the hardest hardest few months of my life I'm so aware that 2020 has been tough for everyone though so um you kind of put, put it into perspective but yeah we finally launched and we go game on (laughs) I think it's brilliant though but I think one of the things that you know you mentioned about investors falling out and falling through because of you know the likes of COVID or VC funders not wanting to see like we spoke earlier about the stats how do you how have you dealt with that that rejection and that feeling because I know 
for me, especially when you look at the kind of business that you are creating, it's one thing to do a podcast and have a website. It's another thing to have this, okay, okay, this is actually really big. I know for me, going into now the next phase of work thrive for me, I literally was on the phone with my best friend earlier this week, just like crying. because like, this is overwhelming. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. How do you navigate that feeling, like that gut feeling, the knot in your stomach, but then also having to get back up after that rejection? Honestly, firstly, I say relate to that crying thing. (laughs) It honestly goes back to like the gut instinct. I genuinely believe in myself to bring this to life. Like, and it's kind of like you hear no's and they, they genuinely suck. Like they're like, you just want to shake people and be like, how can you not see this? Or just trust Mm. me or, but I get it. Like, why should they trust you? You haven't got the thing to prove you. Like you haven't proven yourself enough or whatever it is they want to see. And like, it's always funny because it's so painful at the time and it's so frustrating. And it's genuinely when there's bills to pay, it's like you get real wobbles. But I think you always know in hindsight, or for me at least, like when you're in those lows, you know, it's, it's going to lead to something and you always look back on those moments and they can you connect the dots and they lead to something else you know HSBC literally rejecting me to my face when I went up to Birmingham led me to the midweek mingles which have I'm so super proud of we've had 20 around the UK now and that led to the sponsorship with zero and it's like you connect the dots and it's just as long as you can trust yourself and keep going back to your gut instinct on why you started you get through it so yeah I don't know. And do you know what's actually really funny, Katie? Is like all of this talk about investment and stuff. 2020 has been such a year of unlearning. And there's so many big businesses that have got the investment too early and got all the money. They've had multi-million pounds and they've scaled so quickly and then crumbled because they didn't get the basics right and the internal systems weren't there. And they, they hadn't actually done the proof of concept and you know even this week that's the thing like this week I'm actually you know we've we've, I've done some feedback and literally asked people you know like what's what's stopping you from signing up and like it's just been so interesting I launched by saying self-employed women like up until Mm. last night when I changed the wording it said the UK's first benefits program for self-employed women I'm not a self-employed woman. I'm a director of a limited company. HMRC don't see me as self-employed. And how, yeah, but that's it. How the hell did I not realise that, (laughs) like, what an idiot. Do you know what I mean? But like all of these things, I've had directors of limited companies and female freelancers being like, oh, I didn't know it was for me. And it's kind of Mm. like, oh yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) But like all of that kind of stuff, you, you actually you go, thank God I haven't just gone and embarrassed myself and got a million pounds and then had to tell an investor that I didn't even, you know, know. Get the that, niche right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't even, like, get the phrasing right. Like, what an idiot. So, actually, there's, I don't know, I'm a big believer that, like, there's, a, there's learnings in there. And as long as you 100% believe in what you're trying to achieve and you keep focused on that and block out the noise because there's so much of it, yeah it gets easier in time like all those all of those no's all of those rejections all of those challenges you just get used to it and it's kind of like okay if you're going to say no I'll find someone else that will so yes it's that thick (laughs) that that you've got to get like thick skin isn't it because it's really really truly the only way that you really survive you know entrepreneurship It, it is you have to have thick skin so then for you what is one lesson you would say that 
would sum up your journey so far? The one thing that you have learned that it's like you would make sure that if you were to tell anyone who's about to start a business, learn this from very early. I think it's that like you, your, honestly, it goes back to the gut instinct thing. I think it's like trust yourself and your ability and just don't follow the crowd. I think like, especially now, this girl boss thing is still here and so many businesses blur into one because they're all kind of, trying to emulate someone else's success because but haven't had taken the time I think to really think about whether that aligns with their values whether that aligns with what they're actually trying to achieve like why why are they doing it are they are they doing that because they want to run their business or they want to be an influencer because there's two very different things two different things and yeah I just think like yeah just try, try trust yourself trust your instinct block out the noise and I want to make it a list of oh no I've done the list of three <laughs> that's my lucky number um, and, oh I don't know we'll just go with that we'll just go with that one <laughs> uh, what an idiot <laughs> but no yeah. I think you're absolutely right in that I think every everywhere you go now on Instagram there's like a girl boss brand and everyone wants to build this you know, this fancy looking, this laptop lifestyle, this easy overnight success story. And when you do look at it and going back to finally what you, you shared on Instagram a couple, of, a couple of days ago was about the reality of what it takes to build a business and how social media has kind of warped our minds into thinking that this, you know, it, it's an overnight success. It happens overnight. And you shared quite openly about you know, the financial journey for you and how difficult that was. And you shared openly about, you know, when you launched, you had just over a hundred women who signed up over the 1.7 million, you know, female entrepreneurs in the UK. And a lot of the times we do, you know, we do think, yeah, I do want that overnight success because it's so much easier. But the reality is it's not real, is it? At all. How have you, what has that journey been like for you to really unlearn unlearn that reality or that well not reality but unlearn the lie that it happens overnight I think uh, the whole reason I launched she can she did was because that that lie existed so like Mm. in terms of unlearning it I've I've never I don't think I ever learned it in the first place what I do think is if you spend time online like some of the women I know spending are spending eight to ten hours on Instagram a day now, when you spend that much time on a platform like Instagram, it is easy to get caught up in yeah. in the, that bubble. And that bubble teaches you exactly that, that overnight success is real, that if you're going to launch a book, it's a complete failure unless it makes a New York Times bestsellers list. Yeah. If you launch a podcast, it's an absolute failure unless you get into the top 10 on in iTunes. Like all of these different things, like why, why, why bother launching anything when you don't you know it's it's not going to get there and that's that's but it's not only putting a lot of people off from running a business but it's also like so unbelievably demoralizing for people that try and then they don't get that really hard yeah and I think like for me I believe in this so much and I think you do you kind of think like this has so much potential there's a big market for it it doesn't exist but then I've got to be, and you do get that, you let yourself believe in that, like, 
what could be but mm. you know there's no funding behind this there's no like big page like there's no um trust fund mm. that's supporting me through this you know all of these things there's no one there's no budget for pr it's literally just trying to do the best that i can with what i've got and you know you're allowed to make mistakes i was calling i was ruling out a big chunk of my audience because i was saying self-employed yeah. women and not all female business owners you're allowed to make mistakes because that's what the whole point of a startup is you, you start you have to start somewhere and you have to listen and you have to tweak and you just keep chipping away and making it better and listening again and unlearning and relearning and that's just how it works and I, so I think it's a case of like I've always known the girl the girl boss thing to me it's yeah I, I, yeah can you continue <laughs> I don't agree with it but I think like yeah you just have to keep reminding yourself and it keep, keeps going back to blocking out the noise um, and just tunnel vision and just keep reminding yourself why you're doing it and every little baby step adds up yeah absolutely so now we're going to go to the fast five round where i'm going to ask you five questions and you just answer okay. with the first thing that comes to mind is that all right okay yeah, okay, yeah. could you tell us about a software resource or app that's helped with your business or work that you'd recommend i would say moody um which is a hormones app really random because it's like the first time i've had it for about a year now and i track my periods and it sounds so weird but like just knowing like being able to calculate when you're likely to come on mm. means that I know that week or at least the day that I come on is a bad day to do anything big. Like I wouldn't, I'd much, you know, I'm my first day of my period. I'm like, ouch, I don't want to talk to anyone. So <laughs> the idea of like yeah. pitching to a brand on that day or doing something massive on that day. Nah, that's, that's my answer. I'm, I'm taking that on board. Um, <laughs> a personal habit that has helped you in life and work. So getting up, working out straight away, listening to my body. So, you know, take this year, for example, I normally run uh, most mornings. This year I was running with my sister and literally just my brain was just so full of work and just didn't have the energy to run. So in case instead of like pushing myself through that, I switch over to yoga, Pilates. Sometimes I do HIIT workouts, but I haven't run in about four months. And that's not like me at all. But I trust myself that I'll get back back to it but right now don't have the energy don't want to push my body through that yeah that's brilliant that's amazing um a book podcast or event that's helped you significantly in the past year you can't say um, you get too <laughs> <laughs> a book a book called to obama with love hate joy and despair and i don't read any real business books probably should but don't um but i do read books about people that I admire and that to Obama one is basically all the letters he received in the during his presidency the good really evil mm. challenging people that didn't agree with anything that he was doing and his responses and how he responded and the thought process because he he responded to 10 a day the whole time through his presidency and it was just a real it's just so inspiring that firstly he took the time to given how much was on his plate as president it just puts into perspective that if Obama can find the time to give feedback, he's not too busy. He's not too entitled to, yeah. he doesn't have that ego to not give back, but also how he responded to criticism, sorry, and to really rude letters and things and how he mm. wasn't afraid to call them out on it, to stand up for himself, but in a really polite, really smart way. And it was a case of yeah. like, yeah, 
just love that book. It's just constant reminder, I think. Brilliant. What's one lesson you have learned in the past year that's helped with your professional or personal development? Manage expectations and just remember like the tortoise theory, hair in the tortoise, tortoise one in the end, slow and steady. It's not glamorous, but just sticking to really just not compromising on what you stand for. No quick wins. They always end up biting you in the bum. So, yeah. I don't think that's that's quite a lot in there, but um, I hope they can answer in there somewhere. <laughs> and finally, what's a word of advice you'd share with women who are redefining their own meaning of work? Don't follow the crowd. Thanks for listening to Work Throughout the Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcast as it allows other entrepreneurial women like yourselves to find the show. Speak soon.